It's time for Medicaid Open Enrollment in Delaware. From Wilmington to Bethany Beach, connections run deep in the first state. And AmeriHealth Caritas Delaware is dedicated to connecting you to care. To learn more, visit AmeriHealthCaritasDE.com. Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. You know, there are is a study that came out recently called the State of Theology. And one of the things it showed is that many of us, many of us who actually go to church, we do not have a biblical perspective. We don't know what the Word has to say about lots of different things. Sometimes we just guess or we take somebody's word for it, but we haven't the filter to actually a biblical filter to look through that. And one of the great things about our radio station and the people who are a part of it is that we have this opportunity to help build up the body of Christ, not just in practical living advice, which the Bible has got plenty of and tells us how to live in a wise way, and we need teachers who help us do that. But we also give people an understanding of the Bible. And if you're listening, you know how valuable that is. One of the people on our station is Philip DeCourcy. Philip DeCourcy is the senior pastor of Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California, and he is a speaker on the daily radio program Know the Truth that you can hear right here on this station. He's also the author of Contentment Spelled Out, and he'll be speaking on November 3rd, 2022 at the Entrust Men's Leadership Conference. Let's welcome Philip DeCourcy to our program. How you doing today, Philip? I'm doing great, Scott. It's a joy to be with you once again. Yes. And uh, to reconnect with our uh, KKLA audience in L.A. and Orange County and further afield. And we're uh, we're even in San Diego down there on KPRZ. So a lot of people... Well, there uh, you go. A lot of people listening. And uh, I just want to also point out that, uh, and maybe you forgot, but we have uh, anointed you as Dr. Philip DeCourcy on this program before, an honorary doctorate. Uh, if you remember, I kept calling oh, you I doc- love it. It's, so. it's actually, it's a, I, I started at Trinity, yeah. um, Evangelical Divinity School, all but dissertation. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Uh, I understand that. Well, we're really glad that you are with us today. And uh, you know what? It, we're living in a strange time, aren't we? Well, undoubtedly. And it's going to get stranger, right, if, if, yeah. if we've got our bearings correctly. Uh, Paul tells us that as history unfolds, um, history kind of descends into pandemonium rather than rises into millennium. Um, We await the coming of Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us that man will grow worse and worse. And, and, you know, I I don't want to sound, you know, glum, and and I don't want to be a prophet of doom. But I do think we need to be realistic about, you know, the times we're in. The tribe of Issachar understood the times they were in, and then that helped them know what they needed to do. Paul tells us to redeem the time, for the days are evil. And then Paul tells us in Romans 13, the time is kind of gone. It's high time uh, that we're well into the evening, and the dawn of Jesus' return is very, very near. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think people have a have a sense that this is a, a very um peculiar time and an interesting one and and what i hope people realize is that we have to be paying attention uh right now because it's going to get stranger as you said i i think so right i mean we ought always to be paying attention as christians we're we're called to renew our minds in romans 12 we're called to be sober minded i mean look i hope 
that all the nonsense that's going on is a moment of insanity. And I hope maybe through elections and, and, and uh, you know, uh, people wakening up that we might, you know, take a step or two back from just the nonsense that's going on in terms of, uh, you know, um, you know, being unafraid of, of uh, you know, being proud of our nation, open borders. We don't know what, what, what a boy or a girl is. We don't even know what truth is, if there is such a thing. I hope. It's a moment of insanity, and we step back. On the other hand, it, it, we could be dealing with a trend, or we may be catching up with Western Europe. And if that's the case, well, then the church needs to, you know, adjust itself and uh, always realize but we're on the winning side. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's always hope. I hope that we are looking at something where maybe there is going to be a great revival because of all the craziness right now, and people will actually seek the truth. Um, but either way, we're in the Lord's hands. Well, I hope so. We always hold that outright. Revival can visit the church at any moment, and yet you've got the kind of sober warnings of Jesus in Matthew 24 about the last days, you know, social upheaval, moral collapse, theological deception, same with, with Second Timothy. Although I shared this with someone the other day. Um, I was actually in the company of Jim Daly and a couple of guys from Focus on the Family playing golf, and and uh, I was saying, uh, uh, there's an old Van Tavner quote, he's an old Southern Baptist, he's now with the Lord, but he had a great quote, Scott, that I hold on to, it gives me gives me hope, where he said, the lowest point of the tide is often the turning of the tide. And, mm. and, and you know, I hope that rings true for our nation. We're, we're at a low point. Yeah. Uh, but, but maybe, maybe it's the turning of the tide. I was thinking the other day of, of both the tragedy uh, 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 of Pearl Harbor, and yet you remember that story, the Japanese naval officer says, I think we have awoken the giant. Right. And maybe, maybe, you know, our cultural enemies and our our theological foes, maybe, maybe they're so blind and so driven and so deceived, they've run so far ahead of where most people are at, that maybe they're, uh, you know, America... Uh, both in, in biblical revelation terms and in common sense terms, will will awaken, and and the breadth of our people and the balance of our people will say, enough's enough. I think that that could happen at least for a while. I do think that we've gone too far with it. When I think about this, though, one of the things that I think that you and I and people in ministry and people in the church everywhere who are listening, we need to to realize that some of these things. Um, are happening inside the church as well. Um, I don't know if you read that uh, organization put out, The State of Theology is what they called it a couple months ago. And it, it surveyed everybody, but also U.S. evangelicals, so so you know, typically Protestant, regular church-going people, about theological yeah. matters, basics of the faith. And what they found was pretty disturbing about, you know, regular church-going people, people that we sit by or people who are in our churches where about half now don't believe that the Bible is truly the Word of God, um, that Jesus was not God. About 43% of evangelicals now believe that. Um, I don't yeah. think you're a Christian if you don't believe he's God, right? There's there's oh, something you don't understand course. about this. What do we do about this as 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 pastors or just people who are so prayerful about the church or people who are in the church, what do you think that we need to do inside our churches to get back on the right path of even just basic biblical truth? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Scott. I mean, we've got to face what this is. We can't run from the implications of that kind of of, of uh, report. I mean, to deny the deity of Christ, to argue that there's other ways to God, is it is it is not only to deny biblical evangelicalism; it's it's to deny the Christian theist. The right. And and you know, there's that old Keith Green line. You know, just because you, you sleep in a garage doesn't make you a car. Right. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. Yeah. And, and anticipating that question, you know, uh, um, I wrote down a few things. Uh, I'll try and move through them. You can stop me as you wish. Yeah, but go ahead. In answer to your question, I mean, I wrote down five things I think plays into that. Number one, fundamentally, that's a failure of the pulpit, Scott. Mm. Uh, there's a famine of God's Word. And I speak to myself, and I speak to the pastors who are listening, and we're going to talk a little later about our own in-trust conference at, at Kenwood Community Church. This is a failure of the pastorate. This, this starts if it doesn't stop at the pulpit, because pastors have, have prostituted their calling. They are fundamentally called to be a teacher and expositor of God's Word. I'm so thankful for my training at the Master's Seminary under Dr. MacArthur, so thankful that we were reminded that it's our job to go out and, and teach the Word and then teach other men an ability to teach the Word so that they may teach others. And you read First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus, the call of the pastor fundamentally is to disseminate the Word of God, to guard the gospel, mm. um, to, to, to scare off the wolves that will enter the church and savage it. And, and so, you know, we, we, pastors have got to return. The balance of their week has to be spent in the study. They've got to come into the pulpit fresh and, and studied up and on fire by the Spirit to, to, to unleash the Word of God verse by verse. Number two, I think in, in, in over the last decade, two decades, there's been a fixation with evangelism, and we have turned our worship services inside out. And the detriment of that is we're, we're trying to reach the unchurched. We're trying to accommodate the unbeliever. And the disciple of Jesus Christ is sitting there in malnutrition, mm. who hasn't been fed, who hasn't been discipled, who hasn't been taught sound doctrine and theology. Number three, we, we are and always live in a context and a threat of apostasy. And so when we see these stats, it, 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 it saddens us, but it shouldn't surprise us. There are many false believers in the church, have always been. There were those who will be among us who will deny the faith and go out from us. And, and as, the, as the last days increase and dawn, certainly those are days of deception, apostasy, getting ready for the final lie, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet. Number four, Scott, um, a failure of parents. I'm a parent of three daughters. I, I want to look in the mirror. I, 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 too many parents have outsourced their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're either too busy, they're too weak, they're too ignorant, they're too frightened. I understand all of that, but Ephesians 6, bring up your children in the fear and admonition or instruction of the Lord. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, teach your children when they're sitting down, when they're rising up, when you're in the car, when you're at the dinner table, and there's a failure of parents. I'm, I'm so thankful for a godly mother and father who taught me the Bible, who put good books in my hand, who didn't worry about my moaning and groaning, but trailed me to Sunday morning and Sunday night church until the Word of God did its work in my life. And in number five, uh, f- forgive me for being so long. That's but, okay. Uh, that's all right. And, yeah, and a, an, aggress- an aggressive culture. I think that's part of it. Probably there's been this soft underbelly 
but now the pressure's on. You talk about this a lot. I listen to you uh, many afternoons when I'm in the car. It, this culture has changed. Let's see if we can change it back. But it's changing for the worse. Mm. But, but it's the best of times and the worst of times. And I think it costs you now to be a biblical Christian. It costs you to stand up for Protestant, evangelical, historic Christianity theology. And so many people are not willing to do it. And so the church is being sifted and the church is being purified. And frankly, I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to get talk, get down to the remnant. Right. But you know what? We've had this kind of Christian culture in America, and, 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 and I think our numbers have been bloated. And, and you know what? I'm happy to get down to the true followers, filled by the Spirit, you know, schooled in the Word of God, who are going to be unbending, who won't shift with the changing winds of culture. So those are five things I wrote down to myself. I want to look at them, repent of anything that's in my life that plays into that. But as a pastor, I'm going to commit to the Word of God. I'm going to give my people a feast on a Sunday morning. We're going to train our parents to disciple their children. Our youth ministry at Kindred isn't the playground. We disciple our kids. We get them out on evangelism. And we're going to teach the church to live in a kind of post-Christian culture. Does that make sense? Yeah, that all makes sense. You know, Pastor, uh, all five of those things, the famine of God's Word, it's the the emphasis on evangelism, which I think is just over-discipleship, right, is, is kind right. of that way. The apostasy that is often the result, parents' aggressive culture, all of those things. I think it does come back to your very first one, famine of the God's Word. Uh Right. And I think people are starving for God's Word, and I do think that this is something that pastors need to do better. Why have pastors—I think there's some pastors who maybe aren't interested, you know, they're more into the cultural, topical teachings, but I think that there's a lot of pastors who really want to do this, but are pulled in so many different directions, it's hard to put things together in an effective way. How did we get there? That's a very good insight and a great, great question. Look, on the one hand, there's just the lazy pastor, yeah. or there's the, 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 the pastor who, who, who is kind of, you know, uh, um, a false teacher in many ways, who, who, who doesn't want to shape up and square up with First Timothy, Second Timothy. On the other hand, I think you're dead right about pastors who are, who are feeling guilty, and my intention is to discourage those men. In fact, we have a conference coming up to encourage them, but, but they need... They, men need to come around them. Elders need to come around them. They need to delegate um, some things. When I came to this church, I've been here 15 years this coming Sunday. I remember a, a, an elder on the team, Alan Pott, a friend of mine, who said to me one day, you're spending too much time in the work and not enough time on the work. And, and, and you're right. You get drawn in mm-hmm. to, you know, discipling and counseling and crisis and, and you get drawn into deacon work and serving the body in practical ways. And, and just your instinct, right? Yep. God is serve the Lord, serve the Lord. But, but really, you need—I want to challenge pastors to really step back. You are leaders. Um, you, you, that's why Acts 6. Hey, we could serve the table, but we're not going to serve the table. We've got to pray and serve the Word of God. And so, you know, uh, pastors need to fight for that. They need to preach that vision to their deacons, their elders— Elders and deacons around those men need to cushion them. They need to provide time for them to study, and they need to say, your number one job is to preach the Word of God. I've had the privilege here, Kenneth. Several of my elders across my ministry have told me, get home and get studying. Mm-hmm. You're getting too involved. 
and, and, and I love that about this church, and I think that's why we're healthy and we're strong. But And also, I think there's a there's a strain of Christianity, there's a strain of American evangelicalism that has demoted theological training. Mm-hmm. You know what? They can point to D.L. Moody, they can point to C.H. Spurgeon and say, well, they didn't go to Bible college. Well, you're right, but both of them established Bible colleges. <laughs> yeah, they were so super educated. <laughs> hey, you know how, how committed I am to this? I was in a pastor at Scott in Northern Ireland, Belfast. I'd been to the Irish Baptist College. I was in a growing church. Mm-hmm. But in God's kindness, I had an opportunity through the friendship of John MacArthur to come out to a, to a postgraduate school that deepened me in Greek and Hebrew, historic theology, pastoral theology, that gives me a handle on how I can mine the Word of God in week in, week out. Look, the pastorate's not easy. Think about this. Most people forget this. We are asking our pastors to deliver a term paper 40 weeks of the year. Right. You know, that takes work, doesn't it? That's exhausting work. And you've got to allow that man time to do it. Give him the tools. Send him off for training. I, I just think we need to get back to our Protestant forefathers who, 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 who understood the sufficiency and authority of God's Word, and they put, they put a highness. They, they, they elevated the pastoral office for what it was. Yes. And, and, and they wanted the best trained scholarly man in the pulpit be an apologist for the gospel, given a reason for the hope that lies within us, and then schooling the church, schooling them up to become little mini scholars themselves. I think that that is core. I completely agree with this. You know, my dad's a pastor. He's still a pastor. And when I was going into the ministry, the best advice, he gave me a lot of advice, and it's great. I think the best piece of advice he gave me was he said, you preach from the Word of God. You preach from the Word of God, and that way if somebody has a problem with you, you can point to the Word of God and say, well, you have a problem with God then, because this isn't my Word, it's His. Amen. And, and i got to tell you, that carried me through ministry. It carries me through today. You know, in this show, sometimes i got to give opinions about different things, but if I can root things into the Word of God, you know, I can direct people to that. And that's a, that's something I, advice I give to pastors who barely make it four years, I think, in the average senior pastor role. Yeah. And I think some of it is because they're not in the Bible and they run out of things to say or they get criticized for their teaching on different things that maybe they're not really an expert on, and yet you got 66 books you could go yeah. preach from. And, and, and what just I said, Scott, they don't have the tools, they don't have the theological training to exegete the text week in and week out. It's yeah. tough yeah. to stay fresh and bring material. On top of that, you know, the average best-selling book on church growth is all about quick fixes and big crowds, mm-hmm. when, when the New Testament's about faithfulness and, and perseverance in the Word, and they've lost their nerve. And they've forgotten, if they don't preach the Word, if they don't root their comments in the commentary of the biblical text, they have no authority. Right. Why should the people <laughs> listen to them? Yes. It's just Joe speaking and Jim speaking and, and James speaking. But when Paul speaks, when Peter speaks, when James speaks, the Holy Spirit's at work. And lives change. The Word of God, yes. well, people's lives change. Your church changes. That's another piece of advice I got from my dad is, is that, and I think some pastors fear this, but your people in the pews, if they know the Lord, if the Holy Spirit is with them, they are able to hear and understand the doctrines and theologies and the teaching of the Word of God. Don't be afraid to give it to them. That's right. And don't be afraid when people leave you because they don't want it, because they're probably unregenerate. A person that's saved 
hungers and thirsts for righteousness. And, and, and that's why I'm telling and Joe, I'm coming back to this idea of the church being sifted and purified. We, we, we have so invited the world into the church hmm. that, that, we have, that we have kind of uh, weakened the preaching of God's Word. We have shaped it to, to suit cultural and human tastes. And now we're reaping the whirlwind of that, and we're going to have to, re, you know, recalibrate. We're probably going to have to thin our numbers out and get back to true disciples who are meeting on the Lord's Day, who are being deepened in the Word so that they can go out from the church gathering and be salt and light. You know what? Paul, Paul says, if an unbeliever comes in, then let him see order, let him see the fear of God, let him taste the work and power of the Holy Spirit. But that's a conditional clause. There's no expectation in the New Testament that Sunday morning and the Lord's Day services is about, you know, droves of unchurched and unbelieving people coming. It's the church gathering, discipling, strengthening, deepening, encountering the living God. It's like the it's like the huddle and, and, and the, the call that you know the play is being called and then we break the huddle and we go and execute that out in the everyday world as parents, employees, students in universities. That's right. And the the irony of it all is that's where people come to faith through that. Amen. Pastor, you know, whenever I listen to your program, the theme music on your program is an arrangement of um, Be Thou My Vision, uh, the old hymn. Whenever I hear that, I'm encouraged because I studied that hymn one time and discovered it's 1,200 years old or maybe older. And Christians have been singing that throughout ups and downs of the church over all that period of time. The faithful have kept that song around. I think the Holy Spirit likes it and has kept it with us. I think that gives us some hope about the future of the church and all of the different challenges and things that we do need to turn around. Right. I mean, vision's another word, isn't it, for a worldview or a perspective? Right. And it's a great old hymn. It's an old Irish hymn, as you know, and, yes. and, and I, I love the kind of me- the, the melody of it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's David. I have, I, David says, I love this verse, I've always kept the Lord before me. You know, that's, that's, he, he looks at things through the prism and the lens of who the Lord is and what the Lord has promised to do. You know, I, quote, I have another quote from old Van Tavner. He said, you can't be optimistic with the misty optic. And, and, and you know, we've, we've got to keep a clear vision of the church, a clear vision of church history, uh, our, our history in the light of biblical prophecy. And I think when we do that, you know, as you, you've intimated, Scott, you know, we're, we're, we don't need to be as discouraged as so many of us are. Uh, we don't need to be so done in the mouth as so many desire. There's a The Bible sets before us a, a wonderful vision of God's love for us in the cross, of the Spirit's help for us presently, uh, of, of, of the best things yet to come, you know, a new heaven, a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. And, and so it's important that we, we look through the right window and, and it's so important that we, we, you know, you can't be optimistic with the misty optics. So back to what you and I were talking just before the break. So important that pastors set before their people a biblical vision of life yes. and that the culture doesn't do that. Uh, and the cu- culture doesn't set the agenda or the atmosphere for us. Pastor uh, Philip DeCourcy, thank you for being with us today on Southern California Live. 
And uh, Dr. DeCourcy, as you will always be on this program. (laughs) I'll kick it. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for being with us. It's always a joy and an encouragement. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Well, Scott, thank you. Um, Thank your team. Thanks, Salem, KKLA. Um, Appreciate your heart, and you're doing an excellent job. God bless. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pastor. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.